Circuit Rider podcast. For more information about the Circuit Riders, visit us at crmovement.com. Thank you so much. Okay, so this we have a brief message here uh, until lunch. It's 11.16. We'll just go 35 minutes or so. But I want to talk about Jesus' ministry and just make it super simple what Jesus' ministry was in the Gospels and the power that he walked in and then just give us some insight as to the priority that he prepared his guys to be ready to handle that power. So say priority. Turn to someone and say, we need priorities. Okay. So turn in your Bible to Luke 4, 18 and 19. Luke 4, 18 and 19. I want you to memorize Luke 4, 18 and 19 for the rest of your life because this is the core summary of the ministry of Jesus. And it says, uh, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the downtrodden will be freed and from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So the ministry of Jesus, if you just summarize it, let's go through it one more time. It's about Jesus is saying, Isaiah prophesied that when Jesus would come, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, would come upon Jesus, and he would be given an appointed time to preach. And in that appointed time, he would do several things. He would bring the good news to the poor. That's number one. Say, good news to the poor. And that's not an economic thing, but it's the poor in heart, which the poor in spirit, which he talks about in Matthew 5, which just means I'm going to go preach to those who have need of me. So it's not a money thing. It's a need of me. Okay, number two, he sent me to proclaim the captives will be released. So his ministry was a ministry of going after those that were in captivity. Now, if you're, in cap- if you're a captive, well, let's make it plain. Who are you a captive to? Yeah, the guy with an S word, Satan. Okay, so that, that's just so we're cleared ex- expositionally. All right, and so, and that the blind will see. Very clear. If you can't see spiritually, he's going to open your eyes. If you can't see physically, he's going to open your eyes. He's up to both. Okay, that's his ministry, all right? And that the downtrodden will be freed, that the oppressed people of the earth would be free. That's the ministry of Jesus. And then it says that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And the Lord's favor is salvation for the world. And so we're moving from the Old Testament model to the New Testament model. Everybody in the world now has an opportunity to be saved because of Jesus' work on the cross. Can I get an amen? That's Jesus' ministry, okay? John 17, 18, if you want to turn there. When Jesus was praying in his intercessory prayer to his Father in John 17, which is the chapter on unity, unity is all about John 17. If you want to say, what time is it? If you say John 17, you mean it's unity time. Okay? All right? And, And so he's praying, and he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So there's a key. I want you to really grab a hold of that Bible verse. He's saying this. As you sent me into the world, he's praying to his Father, I have sent them into the world. So it's clear that you and I have been sent, are sent into the world just like Jesus was sent in the world from his Father. Are we all clear on that? 
And so we have a similar assignment, right, than Jesus. The mission of the church, our followers of Christ, is to continue the ministry of Luke 4, 18 and 19 until Jesus comes back. I think a really great merchandise line that I think somebody should launch, Sammy maybe, is uh, the 418 line because this is the ministry and the priority of a Jesus movement. It's to operate in the very ministry of Jesus, to set the captives free, to save the lost, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel to the poor. That's the assignment and to proclaim God's favor, okay? So that's the mission. Now, we wanna understand this as we think about Jesus' ministry. Say, Jesus' ministry. Is, <clears throat> we see that ministry then carried into the book of Acts, and the disciples are functioning in Jesus' ministry all through the book of Acts, and we see the New Testament church is founded on all those power principles that, that Jesus worked. But one of the things, though, that we want to make, now we get to the priority, is that Jesus was an amazing trainer of his disciples. There's never been a better trainer in the history of the world. And so he was able to design the most creative, counterintuitive ways for his disciples to come to some decisions about what they're going to have to say yes to and what they're going to have to say no to to walk in his kingdom. And let's review just a few of those just for fun. These are so amazing just to, you know, get them in our spirit. How many of you guys feel like Jesus has been training you in a tremendous way in the last few years? Yeah, right? He's always up to things like that. And so when you learn about Jesus' training, Jesus tends to lean towards heart training, doesn't he? Um, he's always leaning on your motive, your heart, you know, where are things at in your heart. That was unoffendable heart last night. It's about your heart. He's not so much always interested in your performance. Right? Right? Almost like sometimes you can, if you're a worship leader, you can have a bad performance in the world's eyes, but, but, but worship out of your guts, and Jesus is just like getting more glory, more excitement out of that than like hitting every note. Isn't that, isn't that not true? Or a preacher is expositing the Bible and, and misses an address of a verse or something like this happens, but you just see that there's sweat pouring down that young man or young woman's face and your heart is into it, and you're like, you're just getting blown away, right? Because the heart's there versus a professional PowerPoint slide presentation that their heart is far from. Is that true? Prayer is the same way, right? You've had to be around people that pray, maybe in a prayer room, a prayer set. They have, you know, Father Abraham, Judah, you know, Ben-Hur. They have the whole prayer, and they're, they're just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Old Testament covenant, we move into the New Testament covenant, and we take that narrow path and how we are joyful. And you know, it's all this powerful lingo, but nothing's happening. It's just flat. And then the girl you've never met walks up there and just, she starts crying and says, God, if we don't go, who will go? And the whole room's like, yes! It's when you lead with heart, you go somewhere in the kingdom, and, and God's always, and when our heart is changing, it's the Holy Spirit that works through us to do the miracles. Isn't it true? So you could spit on someone's eyes and they could be healed, and I would say that's a bad performance. <laughs> but Jesus is like, no, you're doing it like me. Do you see how different Jesus operates? And that's what, can you imagine being the disciples and going, man, my life's about performance. They're fishermen, they're businessmen, they're tax collectors. They're, now they're going to clash with a guy who works inside out. 
And they're outside-in guys, because the Pharisees are the only guys they ever see, which are outside-inside, and they gotta go inside-outside, and he's got three years on the clock, and he's gonna disappear. Are you, are you, are you guys following this? And he's gotta leave these 12 guys, minus one, Judas, in charge of the church plant on the earth. Not in your neighborhood, on the earth. Do, do, come with me, I mean, this is a crazy assignment when you think of it. I'm going to heaven, leaving Holy Spirit. I've got 11 guys. And so far what they've demonstrated is a lot of arguments. They've just, one guy got that I was Jesus, but, but the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. <laughs> then he rebuked me, and I had to say, get thee behind me, Satan, to my guy. He got demonized suddenly. And I mean, if you're, if get thee behind me, Satan, just be clear that, that he had a demonic issue because that was said, you know, you can't take it any other way. He's got all these things happening. He's got who's going to sit to the left, who's going to sit to the right. They're having a discussion about, you know, role and function. Jesus is like, oh my gosh. Remember the boy? He can't get healed. They're up in Mount Transfiguration. Jesus comes down, man, how long am I going to be with you, you unbelieving generation? This, he just couldn't quite connect with his disciples that it was about their hearts and that they needed to care about people. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Send them home. We're tired. Jesus like, hey, get me that kid over there. He's got some scraps. Let's feed these guys. They were tired. He was excited. How many of you guys think if Jesus was training you for three years on the earth, you would have had some low and high days? <laughs> Hopefully you wouldn't be, oh my gosh. Hopefully you wouldn't be rebuked like I think I would be. I think I'd be more like Peter. I think the Brent family's a little Peter-ish, like foot and mouth and like, but we are always right in the middle of it, but then there is that moment. Does anybody else relate to saying that stuff? Like being so excited and enthusiastic, but man, okay, so, so the heart condition for revelation concerning the Jesus ministry, okay? Look at Mark 8, 31 through 37. He says, then, I know there's a lot of verses, but look, if you could just plug on your phone, Mark 8, 31 through 37. I'm gonna read out a New Living Translation. If you've got a phone Bible, you can just tap on that. Um, if you've got a, a hardback Bible, uh, just read out of your translation. Um, then Jesus began to tell them that he, the Son of Man, would suffer many terrible things. And you need to realize that the disciples are not thinking that their king is gonna suffer many things. They're thinking he's gonna take over the earth. So if, just think about it this. If you sign up for a ministry, you thought the ministry was gonna grow, things were gonna go great, you're gonna have a special place somewhere in it, and now, the, now Jesus begins to explain to them what it's going to be like in his ministry. Then Jesus began to tell them that he, the Son of Man, would suffer many terrible things. You can imagine their eyes at this point. And be rejected by the leaders. You can imagine their eyes at this point. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed and three days later he would rise again. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and told him he shouldn't say things like that. And that just, that's who we just talked about. It's a great line. I like how Peter pulled the Son of God aside. <laughs> You know, like, hey, let me help you with this. You know, it's kind of hurting with the guys over here, you know. Their eyes are rolling up. We're going to lose some guys if you keep talking about suffering and 
the priest getting to you, and, and then this whole three days, you're dead and coming back to life. That's way out there. Jesus turned and looked at his disciples and then said to Peter very sternly. Now, when you look that up in the Greek, sternly means sternly. It means intense. So he's got a, gr- he's got a gritty face. And Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. Whoa. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And so he didn't have a revelation yet of who Jesus was. And so something was influencing him, and Satan was the one. And Jesus rebuked the enemy because the enemy was saying, no, you don't have to go to the cross. And Jesus says, get away from me. Then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over. And listen, if any of you wants to be my follower, he told them, and this is critical. So all the things he could say right now are so important, right? Like, you want to be my follower, right? This is your moment, right? You want to join the Los Angeles Lakers? Here's the one thing you need to know, right? This is the key moment. You want to join Brazilians international team? Here's what you need to know. And you're, you know, you're ready to start. And here he says to them, you must put aside your selfish ambition. <laughs> Let's just park there and just smile a little bit. Just turn to someone and smile, okay? Don't get so serious about selfish ambition. It's common. Um, it's, it's, all, it's all going on, on since the beginning of time. And, but he, he gets further. Jesus never doesn't slow down. He doesn't like, that should be a six-part message, Jesus. Kind of spread it out. He sandwiches it all into a triple-double here. Look at this. Put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. That, okay, okay, let's stop there and just kind of get lunch. No, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. Is anyone bringing snacks? No. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? And so this is an amazing account, and this is repeated in the Gospels where Jesus is giving the guys the game plan for how they're going to walk in the power of God. So would you turn to someone and say, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. All right? Right, it's about Jesus, all right? So turn with me now to... um, you're, we're going to go here in just a minute to Matthew 5, 3, and 4. But So the number one thing that Jesus presents for his, for his team to be ready to move in power is, number one, is that they would put aside selfish ambition. And let me explain this to you. What was happening with the disciples were they were, they were looking to see who could be preeminent in the kingdom. Who could sit to the left and to the right? And I know what that feels like. I felt that on earth where you want a role or you want something that looks like, oh, if, if, if I could get that or if I could be there, then I would feel significant and I'd kind of, this pain in my heart would go away because this function would make me feel better about me. Does that, anyone know what I'm saying? And so they're, they're looking for something and Jesus isn't giving that something to them. And he says, can two of them, who among them is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And there it is again. They, they, they were thinking greatest in a whole different way. And Jesus is like, no, there's a different way to be great. It's a different kingdom. It's a kingdom of the heart. And two of them sit at the right and left hand of Jesus in his kingdom. And the other ten got angry with the two because they thought of it first. And this is 
funny, isn't it? Like, 10 guys are mad at two guys, not because two guys said something boneheaded. They're mad because they didn't think of the boneheaded thing to say first. So he's got 12 guys that are looking for special elder chairs, and Jesus is on his way to the cross, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and they're going to plant a church that's never going to end. Man, isn't Jesus amazing in his patience? Say, Jesus has a lot of patience. Okay, so to follow Jesus, you cannot be self, the word self is an issue, self or self-absorbed, because you have to be willing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and willing to lay your life down for others. And that's the, that's the way. Remember the rich young ruler in Luke 18, he wanted to follow Jesus, but only if he could keep his wealth. And it is it amazing how Jesus just always in the Bible just cuts it clean. Nope, you got to give up that thing in your life that you hold on the dearest to follow me. How many of you guys have had Jesus pick on something in your life that you're like, no, do not ask for that? Has anyone got a big one? Like, uh, I, uh, I, I remember my first encounter of that when I came back, I, I, I was... I was an on-fire kid, but then I, I wandered, then I came back to Christ, and I was with one of my wild friends who was real Keith Greenish, and he was always, he was very Todd White-like, he was sharing his faith all the time, and, and everywhere, just everyone was coming to Christ, and I was with him, he just crazy, just that kind of guy, and he was so challenging to be around, you know, and so we're at this concert, I think it was a really old concert, you know, like Petra or something like that, you know, and, and they asked for like, if you need to give money tonight, and it, was, it wasn't a cheesy deal. It was like, you need, and, he, and he looks at me, he goes, I have all my money for tuition in my pocket. And God just told me to give it. I was like, how did you know God told you to give it? Did you hear like a voice? Dude, my dad would say, you're dumb right now. <laughs> I literally said that to him. I go, my dad's a German, and he'd say, you're dumb. How did you hear? Was it audible? Did it go into your ear? Bro, you're just making something up to, to you know, because you're getting caught up in the song. He goes, no, I must do it. <laughs> and I remember he went up there, and, I, and I, was, I was mad at him for like a week because he had no money, and he'd always be eating my pizza and my stuff <laughs> because he gave all his money away and talking sad. And I'm like, well, you gave all your money away. And it's funny how Jesus will pick on things in our life that we're like, oh, no, 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 not that one area. And he finds his way into your heart around all the things you're willing to give up in a second, you know? How many of you guys are willing to give up bad breath? Yeah, I am. How many of you guys are willing to give up bad haircuts? I am. You know, and then just like, how many are you willing to give up your early morning to me? And you're like, oh, I hate the morning. 5 a.m.? No, God, you're killing me. And after one morning, you're like, I almost died. When the alarm went off, I know what it's like now. I almost saw the gates of heaven. <laughs> you know, the guy next to you is like the early riser. That's fine for me. I was up early anyway. <laughs> Earlier than five? You know, and then you're just like, why didn't you tell me to stay up later, God? That's my time. And he seems to always has a way of finding something that is kind of our selfishness, and he wants it out because he wants more room for him. And it's, it's amazing, right? So you can't have any other alliances. You have to be alliance with, or make an alliance with Jesus. It truly is you and Jesus. So 
he goes through this whole conversation, and he says, blessed in Matthew 5, 3, and 4 are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when you're poor, you get the kingdom. When you have great need for God, you get the kingdom, and the kingdom is his power, his authority, and his anointing. That's the kingdom. Power, authority, anointing. When you have great need, you get power, authority, and anointing. Are you guys seeing this? And what's the opposite of having great need? Pride. Because pride doesn't let you see your great need. And so he was continually confronting these guys and showing them, his disciples, you need me, you need me, you need me, you need me. And isn't that your highest moment in your life? When that special prayer moment comes alone, you're like, God, I just need you. And something happens in that prayer differently than I could use your help. I don't know about any of you guys have not studied for tests. I didn't, I was, I always studied for tests, except for there's a few each year I did not get time to study for. And there's reasons for that. Um, none of them good. And I, I, there I was. And I know those prayers were different for me. They were like, God, I know the sin of presumption. I'm presuming you're going to help me. But God, I need your help. I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose all my money, my dad, everything. And then I walked in there, and he just opened my eyes, and I'd get a good, a good grade. And, man, I would just worship him and just set about the campus in a worship. I was like crazy. God, thank you. It's amazing. Don't try that every time. Um, but it's different when you have, like, God, I need you. Not I need you, but I got a backup plan. You see what I'm saying? Let's keep going a little further. All right. Daily, take up your cross in following Jesus. Now, Philippians 2, 5, and 8, if you want to turn there. Philippians 2, 5, and 8. It says, I'll let you catch up. Philippians 2, 5, and 8. This is a great scripture because this is the emptying, and it's about being how Jesus was emptied and how we shall do the same. It says your attitude, say attitude, should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. So we see that Jesus gave up his rights. He, he put away any sort of self-desire, and he was willing to die a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus became a servant. And it's amazing when you look at Luke 17, 7 through 10. I know I'm throwing a lot of verses at you, but that's where all the action is in this deal. When a servant comes in, Luke 17, 7 through 10, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, he doesn't just sit down and eat. He must first prepare his master's meal and serve him his supper before eating his own. And the servant is not even thanked because he's merely doing what he's supposed to do. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we're not worthy of praise. We are servants who have simply done our duty. How many of you have had that verse crash your hard drive? Because I'm like, man, God, I really love it, but this one time I wouldn't mind some recognition. I've been working so hard trying to please you, and what kind of king just gives you the crumbs? What kind of verse is this? I mean, I wouldn't have my kids come in, and it just blows my mind, you know? I don't know if anyone ever read this and been like, I wouldn't do that. I'd be nicer than that. At least sit on here and, you know, have some spaghetti with me. Don't wait till I'm done with my spaghetti. Pile in. No, sit down there and just wait. But this is different because he's the king of the universe. And he's saying, I will, it's such an honor to serve me. You're not getting who I am. 
You're not getting how big and awesome I am. You're, 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 you're seeing it like I'm one of you, and I'm not one of you. I am your creator. And so it's so awesome to follow me, and you should have that attitude. You don't need to do this action, but you should have that attitude. Remember the attitude of Philippians 2? That was the attitude that Jesus had towards the Father. He laid it all down and died a criminal's death. That's a big ask. And Jesus saying, just like I had to, this is a crazy story for you. Be willing to serve me all the days of your life. Wild, isn't it? But man, when you get to heaven, I was, uh, I don't know where somebody, a theologian was talking to me, I think it was my son, Nick, and he was telling me about uh, heaven. And he was saying, you know, mansions are an incredible concept, and I think maybe we see mansions in heaven as something that, you know, we get up there and more like a cul-de-sac and more like, you know, just long subdivisions, and we all kind of get different ones, and a brick one, a colonial one, you know, a space age one, a, you know, maybe a stainless steel one that just like stands out, it's modern art, you know, maybe a real skinny one, you know, that's a tower and it's odd, I don't know, you know, it's like, what are these mansions, and what is it all about, why, I never really want a house, I, I, I'm just cool to be with my friends. Do you, are you following? And why is Jesus going away to prepare them for us? And I, and, I, and I just throw this out to you. Is it possible that our lives right now have already begun our heart and all that we're doing to build what we're going to live in in heaven? And mansion, I'm just throwing this out. I cannot prove it totally, but I'm curious if our lives on earth are producing our mansions. And wouldn't it be wild to get up there and see who's got a big crib? Won't it shock you? The homeless guy that just gave it all up for Jesus and just ministering to homeless guys is already now, he's living in an 80-story deal because his heart was so big on the earth. And that's what Jesus is saying. Build with your heart. Have your heart beat after me. We're almost done. Can we go a little bit further? So laying our lives down for Jesus. Um, and then 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16 says, For the world offers only the lust, the, for the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They're from this evil world. And so part of the preparation is giving up every pursuit of this world for the pursuit of Jesus Christ. And that's the preparation of his disciples. And, I, and as, I, as I think about this and all that Jesus is saying to me about this, I want to just kind of close with this and give us a chance to react in prayer. I found myself saying, you know, I really have a hunger in this hour that's greater than maybe a hunger I've had in other hours of my life. I am so hungry where I would have been maybe hungry like, God, I want to see your miracles or your power. I'm so hungry to walk with his heart. I am so hungry to have my heart beating after his heart. I am so hungry to just say to selfish ambition, I am so sick of you. You're so common. I just want you done. You know, I don't know if it's ever done, but I just want less of it in my life. I want to be someone who's willing to carry my cross with joy more days than just kind of a glumness. Is anyone here feeling what I'm saying? Is I, I really want my heart to just beat with this joyfulness after Jesus. And I, I, I had this experience, 
and Kona, Hawaii, I was there, and we're getting ready for uh, the send and all the things that God's going to be doing. And I was praying, and I said, man, Christy, I go, I just, I kind of felt like that, that story of having to get the crumbs under the table. And I, I just said, look, you know, I'm, I'm 54. I'm not healed yet. How am I going to do this now? Flying all over the place. I'm going to die this time. And I was complaining. I don't know, does anyone ever complain besides me? I was complaining. I'm like, I shouldn't have been. It was embarrassing. I get it. But I, I was just like, how can I do this? My body hurts so much now. How can I carry this out? And I was wrestling all day over like, I just don't know how God, God, kind of like a bargain. You have anyone bargains with God besides me? I thought, how about stepping in and relieving some health symptoms? That way I could help you more at the sin. Silence, you know. You just pray that prayer, God, I'm ready for an answer, you know. I don't know what, don't hear a thing, just hear birds or, you know, the, the latent tree frog that just seems to never be quiet in Kona, I don't know what it is. And it just, nocturnal, and so it's not a bird, it's a frog, and he's never quiet. And so it's a tree frog, and he's there. He's there to make noise continually. He's a talker. He's a talker. He's like one of your friends that never is quiet. But it isn't in the day, it's at night, okay? And so he tends to get other frogs with him. And so in a split microsecond between his big belch move, his partner does a belch move, and it turns into an enormous nighttime belch outside your door. And you're just like confounded. You want to shoot them and hunt them. But you can't because they're tree frogs, okay? They slip away in the night. So it was in that kind of scenario, I'm being driven crazy, and the frogs are at work, and I'm like, God, I just need, I just need you to, to show me that you're going to eliminate some of this. I'm, I'm worse than I, you know, all this stuff, silent, 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 you know, and I'm remembering all these verses we just went through, and I'm like, ah, and, and all I could see was a blank check again in my head, just sign over. No guarantees of anything, just the same thing. Just follow me with faith. And I was like, oh, geez. And I was like, man, Lord, I'm so bummed because I'm not more excited to sign it. I should trust you more. I'm, you know, when you get older, you're supposed to be more mature. And I feel like I've barely grown. I'm, oh, Lord, what a disappointment. Christy's watching. I wanted to be the godly man at the gate. Now I'm not. I'm the ungodly man. The gate's wide open, you know. I'm just like, ah, Lord, I don't want to do this. I just want you to tell me that it comes to an end and it's just kind of fun down here. He's like, no, no, no. Most of your rewards you will see in heaven. Oh, geez, so biblical. <laughs> so, so biblical. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I wanted to hear right there. <laughs> you know, everything he answers is biblical, you know? So you're like, oh, Lord, yes, and you're trying to work it up. Have you ever tried to work it up because it's so right? The verse is so right. And you're like, yes, Lord, those eternal rewards, man, that big gold ring deal, and I don't even know what else, the crown. And I don't even want a crown, God. I just want to feel better. You know, start complaining again, you know, <laughs> like, ah, I haven't changed a bit, Christy, leave. And, 
Finally, finally, I, I went to bed, and has anyone ever gone to bed not resolved? Do, do you guys always go to bed resolved with God, just everything neat and tidy, just da, 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 tuck in? I, I woke up as bad off as I went to bed, you know, just, you know, it's just like those demonic frogs out there were just like the plague from Egypt. They were just, they just, they came in in groves. There was thousands of them, and I just, I hardly slept. I get up in the morning, I was like, God, I'm willing to end my argument with you. And he just took me, and he just, we sat down, and I just repented of that moment. And it was so surprising how much joy I had, and energy I had, and vitality I had, as I entered into his kingdom again. And I was stepping outside of his kingdom when I threw myself back in and said, heart, 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 heart. I'm ready to do this. All you, all you. I just exploded with joy. So I, I feel like if I'm chasing after the things of the kingdom, I don't really get the joy. But if I'm chasing after his heart and Jesus, I'm getting more and more joy. And I want to invite us into that pursuit in this 21 days, is pursuing Jesus, pursuing his heart, and saying, selfish ambition, you're just a chump, man. You're, we all deal with you. It's not like some big deal. But you're around, and when you're around, oh, we all have the same wrestles. But we're going to put you out of our life more and more because we see you for what you are. You don't fulfill us. You just make us more hungry. We want to be fulfilled by the living water that never lets us thirst again. That's it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Man, so fun, God. Man, we... we if you're a professional wrestler with Jesus, would you stand up? Go ahead and stand up. It'll feel good that you, you, there's at least a few others. Look at that. You're not alone. Look around. Look around. There are other wrestlers. <clears throat> good thing God... Okay, so Lord, we, we stand before you this morning. And Father, we want to put aside this wrestle with you, Jesus, and fully walk into your kingdom. It's about heart, Lord. It's about your ministry. Luke 4, 18 and 19. We want to walk in your kingdom, Jesus. We're sorry altogether. We really are sorry for those moments we didn't want to resolve something in our heart with you or we argued with you or we were moments where we were just, oh, I just want a little bit more of a piece of fulfillment or the action and we were deceived we just say we're sorry, Lord. We've done all those things, Lord, that the Bible talks about. And we give them back to you, Jesus. Would you wash our heart all together? You want to just murmur that under your breath if you agree, Lord? We just wash our heart from that all together, Lord. We're, we really want to have a heart after you, Jesus. We want to have refreshed and renewed hunger for you, Jesus. We don't want to walk in this stuff, Lord. We want to be free. And so, Lord, I... I we gladly admit that if we were there, some of us could really identify with Peter. Some of us could totally identify with the seats to the left and the right, or being the 10 that thought that would, they didn't get a chance to say that. We all have been in this story. That's why you told it, Lord. We all find ourselves in one of their shoes on some of the days. And so, Satan, we tell you that we're not condemned because we are acting like the disciples who changed the entire world with the Holy Spirit. That's lesson number one. We're not condemned because we can relate to these stories. So in Jesus' name, we have joy over this 
relationship with the Scriptures that we find ourselves in the stories and going, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. This is exactly what I do. And so enemy, you are just totally trashed as you discourage us and, and make us perform and make us like kind of rankings of how deep we are in God and all this nonsense. We hate your guts. Get away from us in Jesus' name. Away from us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Father, we tell you that we're growing and we're growing and you love our, jo- you love our growth. You love our growth. Every row, every person, you love our growth. You love where we're at today, and you love where we're going to be tomorrow. You love the process. You love it. And we love that you love how we're growing. It's so fun to be loved while we're growing. And so, Jesus, help us to walk in your kingdom more hours of the day than worrying about earthly kingdoms, God, and role and position and pomp and circumstance. Lord, we want to walk in your kingdom in Jesus' name. And we close this prayer, God, by saying it would be so fun if we could walk in your ministry. As you have sent, the Father sent you, so you've sent us. Lord, we're ready to heal the brokenhearted. It's so fun to pray for the sick. We all want to see sick people healed, Jesus. We all want to walk in the faith that Andy was preaching on this morning, God. And so, Jesus, would you raise your hand, everybody? We're resigning from wrestling. (laughs) We resign from wrestling. Yes. Nacho Libres, resign. (laughs) Resign. Nacho, resign. (laughs) You're about ready to have the Lord's chips in a minute. Yes. They're going to be so good. But Lord, we'd love our hands to heal the sick with your power. We'd love to pray for the oppressed and see them lifted up by your power. Lord, would you display your power among your people and a Jesus movement would arise in the United States and in the nations in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We love you, God. Let's give God a praise. Thank you so much. Thank you. about the circuit riders visit us at CR Movement